Now, I know that as soon as those verses were read this morning, that some of you were already kind of like, all right, let's hear what this guy has to say about, about this. And so the more that I've even thought about it is that my choice of text, I feel like I was even set, I'd set myself up even more whenever I looked down here and I saw all the, um, the high school girls sitting right here, led by my daughter. And then, then it's always good to see the Chattan Chattanooga folks here. And so I was like, well, I'm even setting myself up even more with this. And so I was like, oh, we're going to do it anyways, because too late now. So <laughs> now let me tell you a little bit kind of the heart behind um, this message. And um, one of the things that... Um, one of the things about me is that I am so thankful and so grateful that I'm able to um, be able to serve on staff here at Mercy Hill, and, and I love this church, and I love um, you, and I love the people here, um, and one of the things that I counted a, an absolute privilege that I get to walk through life with you, and um, you know, me and my family, we've been around, I feel like we've been here forever now, um, even before I was on staff, but but we just loved what God is doing here, and we love what, what God has done. I, I'm so thankful for what God's done, even in my own life here. And so whenever I started praying about what direction to go in, and Pastor Mike told me that I'm up, it was just like, I was like, you know, one of the things is that, that right now, I am so convinced that if Mercy Hill is going to continue to be a healthy church, and, a, and I'm so thankful for how God has had his hand of protection upon this church. We have to make sure that we are protecting the families. And specifically, that I believe wholeheartedly that if our marriages are healthy, then the church will remain healthy. And if we are having kids brought up in healthy homes, then you will see kids who love Jesus Christ and who are able to be grounded to be able to walk through this. And I know that's not a guarantee or a promise, but, but I believe that the health of the church really is um, dependent upon how healthy we are as individuals um, in following Jesus Christ and then in that relationship of marriages. And so um, just praying about this, I wanted to go... Um, I was like, all right, Lord, which way do we go? And so one of the things that I believe is that we've got to start back at step number one, block number one, foundation number one, um, before we can start dealing with all a lot of other issues. And thank goodness, though, um, I'm going to preach this, and Pastor Mike will be back next week, and you'll see me next October up here. So, um, so we, won't have to, we won't have to worry about that too much. No, I am joking. But... Whenever we think of this thought and this process of marriage, so many different processes and so many different thoughts kind of run through your mind. Some of you, um, you picture like the perfect marriage of this couple who's been married 75 years and they're sitting at the restaurant table holding each other's hand and cutting each other's food and you have this, this picture of, oh, I just pray that that's what my life will look like one day. Um, others have this picture of the fact that in all honesty, the sad part of it is that you really don't even like your spouse. And, and whenever it comes down to it, you wish that they were not there. You can't stand to be in the same room with them. You just, you can't stand to be with them. 
Um, and then there's others who that your marriage is right there on the brink or, or in your marriage is a struggle right now. And the sad part of it is, is that you think that it's not having any impact on anyone, but in reality, what's going on behind your doors is destroying your kids. And your kids are paying the price of this as opposed to yourself. But how do we get there? How, do we, how does a couple make it 75 years and they're sitting there and they're just so in love with each other and then the wife passes and, and 12 hours later the husband passes and it's just this miraculous love story. How does this happen? And, but more importantly, how does a family, how does a couple live out in the midst of a hostile environment a biblical marriage and a role that reflects the glory of God. And that's what I want to hopefully to be able to kind of reflect on and to be able to look at. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. Ladies, hold off. Hold off one second or a few moments because I know that this is a passage that has been used and abused over time. And I want you to hold on. Hold your anger. Hold your... hold. Y'all laughing. I'm being serious over here. I'm trying to cover myself because as soon as it's over, that door out to my office. I'm hiding. So, um, so but, but ladies, one of the things that I want to ask you is to hold off and let's look, before we get anger and presuppositions, let's look at what the text says and let's walk through what the text says and understand why why would God put this here because here's what I, I believe that we're going to discover ladies you're going to be taken off the hook of a lot of things and it's going to be put on the guy's backs and guys <laughs> it's it's good so but but here's and but guys where we have to step up to the challenge and so so what we want to see this morning is how can our marriage bring the glory of God um, to those around us. How can people see the glory of God in our marriage? And so that's where we find ourselves in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is a book that was also written by Paul, um, who wrote Galatians as we're walking through the Galatians. But Paul is writing a text that is actually outlining how believers function in a hostile world. He had kind of laid out what the church looks like in the preceding verses, and then he kind of walks through and he hits marriage, the role of the husband and the role of the wife, and what that looks like. And then he addresses um, parents, and then he kind of walk, continues on and he, and he closes out the book of Ephesians. But whenever he is right here at this part about marriages, Paul wants us to understand that what our purpose is and how do we live it out in a hostile world? What does it look like for believers to live this type of marriage out? And why would we do this? And so, and so this passage has been abused. It has been used in a way to bring about a lot of anger. And so what I want us to do is to look at what the text says and be able to make that application of why was it there, what does it mean, and then how do we apply this to our life? And so the first thing that I want us to see this morning is that I believe wholeheartedly that we can bring the glory of God in our marriage whenever roles are lived out. And roles are a, an important thing within society. God has given roles. Roles are given in the midst of workplace. Whenever you go to work, you have a specific role, a specific function, and a specific expectations that's kind of put upon you that you are supposed to live out on a daily basis. But yet God has actually um, given roles and designed roles as well. 
roles has nothing to do with equality and inferiority, but roles are just about function and design. Um, and the reason why that God has actually given us these roles is so that people would be able to be pointed to God through our marriages, that our marriages have a specific way that they should function so that others could see God working in them and what they represent. Um, and one of the ma and marriage was actually given to us so that people would be able to see God's unbreakable covenant that he has made with us. This is one of the most important reasons why marriage exists. Marriage does not function, and we're going to talk about this later on, marriage does not function and exist for you, but marriage exists for the glory of God. And it exists for the whole purpose of so that people can see the unbreakable covenant that God has with his people. And this is, um, but it not only shows that, but it also shows a way that the different roles that people can be used by God to point people to himself. And so you may ask, well, are there other instances that God has actually established roles? He has. Because whenever you think about this, think about in Genesis that God gave man dominion over all of creation. We have a role to be in dominion over creation. Whenever you think through the New Testament, that God established roles within the local church so that it could function in the most biblical way that brings some honor and glory and the gospel could be spread. That is the way, reason why he set up the offices of elders and deacons. And one of the amazing things that whenever you look at the qualifications of an elder, it is not the person who is most successful in business or in society, but the elder is the person who is living out a life that is bringing honor and glory to Jesus Christ. And, and this is where it kind of breaks from what society's expectations are. And so roles are something that are designed by God. They are given to us by God. And so now as we move into the first one, we want to we look at the first role, the role of the woman. So let me, let me go ahead and say this. I know some of our greeters, they told me that they were bringing tomatoes this morning. So I want you to hold your tomatoes but you, ladies, but if you need to use them on your husband, feel free to use them on your husband later on. Just don't, whenever, whenever we get into this. We want to look at what the text says. But the whole idea is that whenever we look at this passage, is that a wife's command is to live under the leadership of her husband. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, I know the big word in there is the S word, the whole submission word. And, and I know that it is, a, it is a word that you may find yourself kind of welling up, starting to well up with a little bit of anger because of ways that it has been represented in the past. But here's what I want you to do. Let's, let's think about what is submission? Because it's hard for us to understand how one spouse is told to be submissive and to submit to the leadership of their husband. But submission is not a degrading term. It is not something that is causing you to be inferior to your spouse or unequal with your spouse. But submission is a voluntary surrendering of your will and wants as to the Lord. But the key here 
is, as you see this passage, is that you are, whenever you are called to, to fall under the leadership of your hus- husband, it, you are doing it as to the Lord. And the reason why is because you are being called to represent Jesus Christ. You are being called to represent what it looks like to function as to as the relationship between the Christ between Christ and the church because the church we are called to submit to Jesus Christ to to be under the leadership of Jesus Christ and whenever you do this you there is nothing that is of less of value or less of worth because whenever you think about this Jesus Christ submitted himself Jesus Christ submitted himself all the way to the will of the Father by dying on the cross for our sake. Is Jesus Christ still God? Absolutely. Please say yes. I'm starting to work. Now, let me tell you, that the first service, I did go hide after it. It was kind of, it was sometimes the response, but I was like, okay, Lord, you're good. Your word is good. But Jesus Christ is still God, Is he equal with the Father? Absolutely. Is Jesus Christ Lord over all? Absolutely. Is Jesus Christ creator of everything? Absolutely. But here's the key. Jesus Christ still submitted to the will of the Father by dying on the cross for our sake. In fact, Paul says that he was the very nature of God, and yet he was also the one while having the role and status of Lord and Redeemer and actually being God. He could still humble himself even to the death for us, even to the death so that our sins could be atoned for. And so submission is a picture of Jesus Christ, and it's a picture of his relationship with the Father. And this is what Christ is calling ladies to represent. But here's what it does not mean. What does it not mean? This passage has some boundaries um, upon this. The first is that it says that to your own husband. Ladies, this idea of being under the leadership is only to your own husband. It is not to any other man. In fact, we need ladies who are CEOs of companies. We need ladies who are making major breakthroughs in science and medicine for the glory of God. We need ladies who are going to the mission field so that those who have never heard the gospel may hear. But here's what's interesting. The ladies are actually going. The fact is the men, the guys are not going. And we need more of the guys who are stepping up to go to the mission field. And so this does not mean that this idea of under the leadership of your husband is under under This is only specifically talking about the idea of the marriage relationship between the man and the woman. Now, there are some pictures throughout the scripture of where all of us are called to submit and to be in submission. We are called to submit to the government. We are called in to be in submission. Did you catch verse 21? That there is a mutual submission amongst the body of Christ in which we are mutually submitting to one another. Um, And then there's also the idea that we submit to Jesus Christ as well. But submission is not inequality. Submission is also, it is not where you are made into a doormat because you are created in the image of God. You are God, you have been created by God. And submission is also not where you give up all of your opinions 
and that your opinions are unimportant in your marriage. One of the things that, that I have discovered over time is the fact that my wife is a very smart lady. And so, but, and so what I've learned over time is that if she has an opinion over something, I better listen. And guys, this is a good advice for you. Don't just do everything on your own. Listen to your wives. Value their opinion and value what they, they have to say. What it really looks like is the fact that how many of you have ever ridden on a tandem bike? Only one person can ride on the front of a tandem bike. And it is the woman allowing the man to lead and to guide their, their family. Another part of this is that submission does not allow the man to ask you to dishonor God or to sin. No person has the right to, to ask you or to cause you to sin. No one. That is outside the bounds. And submission is not a pass for the husband to be lazy and where the wife does all of the housework while they do nothing but pursue their hobbies and interests. And in fact, this is more of an idea of a cultural submission as opposed to a biblical submission. Um, one of the ways that I've had to learn this, especially within, within the household, is that I grew up in, a, in an environment where um, two godly parents, but where, and some of you may relate to this, where the man did the work outside and the woman did the work inside the house. Does that, anyone ever grow up like that? And so, and so it was kind of, and so my dad took care of everything outside. My mom took care of everything inside. Well, um, I know some of quite a few has been over to our house. And so one of the things that actually kind of, um, that kind of irritated me one time was that um, I arrived home one day and we have, have to use a riding lawnmower um, for our yard because um, I don't want it to take 10 hours. Um, but, but I was, I get home and the yard had been cut. And so there was a little bit kind of like an irritation, and it was like, well, that's my job. And it was almost like, no, there's nothing wrong. I can do this. And so I had to kind of, I was like, just kind of like irritated just a little bit about it. And here's the reason why. I love to cut the grass. It was a selfish reason. Because I could put my headphones on, and I could be gone for an hour and a half, yet still in the yard, but I've escaped life. And so, but unfortunately what happened was, um, my wife has actually discovered the same thing. And so, and since she's been home all day, I need to give her that rights and privilege of escape as well. But it was this idea of, look, there's nothing wrong for guys to do dishes and help clean inside the house. This is more of a cultural submission, not a biblical kind of, biblical kind of roles. But the one question that I have about that is, why do I still have to weed eat? And I'm trying to get past that. And so, but, but part of this, though, is that submission is not saying the woman does this and the man does, does X, Y, and Z. But submission is an act of obedience where a lady vulnerably opens herself up to the leadership of her husband as a way for God to work through her life. However, when a wife lives within and understands her biblical role as a wife, she is able to reflect the glory of God through her life, even when her husband does not. Ladies, whenever you are attempting to honor Christ with your life, Christ is glorified through that, and he is honored through that, and God is working through that, through your life. 
But however, the second part of this command and us understanding our roles, and guys, I really need you to listen to this and to take note of this because this is important in the way that we love, in the way that we treat, in the way that we honor our wives. Because the next command he says in verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, and he who loves them's wife loves himself. And so the command for us, men, is that we should love our wives sacrificially. And the way that, and in what that looks like is the way that Christ loves the church. Christ loves the church in such a way that he left his throne in heaven and he came to this earth in the form of a baby, lived a perfectly sinless life, and died on the cross for our sake to pay the penalty and to atone for our sins. And he came back to life on the third day, all for the, all for the whole reason, so that every one of us in this, in this room and out in the quad would be able to experience new life in Christ. Christ sacrificed himself for all of us. Christ sacrificed himself so that you could have new life in Christ. And some may ask, well, did he want to go through with this? Well, Luke twenty-two forty-two says, in the, while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours will, your will be done. Jesus willingly gave up his life for each of us to go through with the will of the Father. And he did this, this passage kind of lays this out, he did this so that one day the church is going to be presented back to Christ as the spotless bride of Christ. You see that in Revelation 21.2, whenever it says that a bride beautifully dressed for her husband... And then Revelation 19, 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And so one day the church is going to be presented back to Jesus Christ. But here's what I believe wholeheartedly, that men, we are going to stand before God of how we treated our wives. We are going to stand before God and, and be at, did we love them sacrificially? And did we love them as ourself? Because here's, here's one of the things that I've learned over time. You can tell in most circumstances if the man is, is doing what he is supposed to be doing. And I know that's not a guarantee across the board because of sin. But many times in many marriages, you can see in a marriage if the man is fulfilling his role of a biblical man. You can see it lived out. But men, we are called to love our wives in the same way as Christ loves the church. Guys, this is really, in a way, a mutual submission. This is really, in a way, in which we are killing our own desires and wants all for the honor of our wives because we are wanting to pour into our marriage relationship this does not mean that we are domineering over them, but this means that we are caring for them, loving them, and cherishing them. Men, if we have a wife, every one of us have a special treasure from God that he has given to us, and we should love it, love them and care for them and take, and take care of them. 
But a second way of this, and a second part of this, is that Paul commands us to love our wives as that we love ourselves. Now, one of the things that I, I know as, as a man is that, you know, we don't really have a problem loving ourselves, right? Guys, it's easy. It is easy. I know for most, it is easy for us to buy something that we want. For me, it is easy to spend some money for something that I want. But whenever the family needs something, it's like, what do you mean you need, you need that? I just want a new boat. You know, and, and so, but then others of us, you know, it's easy for us to, to, because, to, just, to just love who we are as a person. Because how many of you have ever been in a conversation and there's always that one person in the conversation who's the one-upper? You know what I'm talking about? You've got this amazing story and yet there's always that one person, well, oh yeah, well, let me tell you about my story. Why? Because we love talking about ourselves. We love, uh, guys, one of the amazing things is the fact that, that how big can truck tires get? We only need truck tires a certain, certain size. You know, it, it's amazing how big truck tires can get. You know, but then, but guys have to one-up one each other, and we have to because we love ourselves. We, we care about each other. One of the most amazing places that, that, um, to go and watch guys is the gym. And, and the gym is the most, it's just hilarious at times. And just whenever you look at guys, because what's funny is that how often some guys can walk past the mirror. And, 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 and the whole fact is, is that it's easy for us to love ourselves. And it's easy for us to take care of ourselves and, and to cherish ourselves. But where it comes down is we have to turn that and, and remember that, hold on a second, whenever we take care of our wives in this exact same manner, we are taking care of ourselves. Our wife, it says, is ourselves because marriage bond of one. And so we take care of our wives in the exact same manner. But you know the interesting part about this is that there is no disqualifiers here. There is no disqualifiers of how we treat our wife. Paul in this passage, he says, love our wives as our own bodies because when we do, we love ourselves. In fact, we should nourish and cherish it just as Christ does, loves the ch does the church. Even whenever we fail Christ on a daily basis, he still loves us. If your wife is not living up to your expectations, you still love her. There's no disqualifiers here. We love them till death do us part. Because, men, we are a reflection of Christ to our wives and to our families. We are a reflection of Christ where we take care of and we love and we cherish Him and we love them no matter what because it is the exact same way that Christ loves us. But, men, this calling, this is an enormous calling, an enormous challenge of the putting your own rights down to those of your wife and to your family where you love and you cherish them. But this will impact your family. It will impact the way that you treat her whenever you come home from work. Are you expecting to be served or are you going in to serve her? Are you, how do you talk about her behind her back? Are you, do you present her as perfect to others or do you talk about her faults and her failures? Which that right there goes to all of us. How are we talking about each other? 
Maybe you want to go fishing or to a game or whatever you want to go do, but that does not change. You don't change the, treat them differently because you want something from them. You treat them the same, the same way because you love and you cherish them. And men, we love them because one day we are going to be presenting them back to Christ whenever they, they reach heaven. And as we present them back to Christ, what have we done with our wives and our families? What have we done? How have we treated them? How have we taken care of them? And as Paul finishes out this verse, he references back Genesis 2.24 whenever he says, For this reason a man leaves his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. And so the first part of this is that we can bring glory to God whenever we understand our roles. But the second part about this is that marriage best displays God's glory whenever we realize that it's not about ourselves. It's not about us. Marriage is ultimately about Christ. Marriage is ultimately, it is about a picture between God and us, between Christ and his church. And so whenever we see this, your marriage is a picture of the gospel to those around you. And so how is Christ working through your marriage? And how is Christ working through, through you? Some of you may be sitting here, and praise God, your marriage is, is great. One of the things that I know, I was having a conversation a while ago with someone, and it's just really how God is blessed with so many strong marriages within, within this church. And praise God, here's where I want to challenge you. Protect your marriage. Protect, 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 because no marriage is immune from failure. Protect it. The second part of that is to invest in others. Those who are struggling, invest in others. Don't keep, invest in others of what you've walked through. Some of you may be sitting here and you're starting to see some cracks develop in your marriage. Well, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Get some help. First and foremost, focus on yourself and your own relationship with Christ. Then, look at how your marriage can be healed. But you see cracks developing. Take care of those cracks. Focus in on those cracks. Some of you, though, your marriage is on full-on triage, and there doesn't seem to be a pulse left. I am so sorry. And it is heartbreaking every time that I hear and I'm sitting down whenever a marriage is on triage. But if I could tell you one thing in the midst of that is to don't trust on your spouse. Don't put your trust in your spouse. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Put all of your hope, put everything, every part of your being, not on your spouse, but on who God is. And rely and hold on to God in this because God can only be your hope in that, in, in that God can only be your source of healing and to be able to make it through this because there is no promise of what's going to take place because you, let me go ahead and tell you this, you cannot change the other person. Only the Holy Spirit can change the other person. You cannot change the other person. 
And so here's, my, here's where I'd hold on to God, but never lose compassion for that other person and never stop praying for them that God would change their heart and bring them back. However, let me go ahead and say this. If you are the other person, the offendee, let me challenge you, repent, 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 because you are damaging, if they are kids involved, you are damaging your spouse and you are damaging your kids. You may not think that it's not having implications, but you are killing your kids and they will feel it for the rest of their, their lives. Damaging, not killing. But, but a part of this, though, is that both parties, both parties need selflessness. They need Jesus Christ in the midst of this because the only way that I have seen marriages rebound and to heal is if both individuals, not just one and not just one do it and the other holding back, but both parties sitting back and selfless, just practicing selflessness all for the sake of Jesus Christ and falling in love with Jesus Christ. But some of you have been, you're saying, no, Chris, I don't even have any marriage anywhere on the horizon. Praise God, but it is always fruitful to walk through the word to understand what God's picture of things is. But then there's others that may be sitting here this morning in closing, and you're saying, Chris, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard you say, talk about the fact about how God... Marriage is a picture of God's redemption of mankind, but I've never experienced the redemption of God. But he's, but he's calling you this morning, and so I want to ask you this morning just to, just to repent, turn to God, and to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But this morning, the altar is going to be open as Nick comes, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. And Father, I thank you for your word, how it is perfect and inerrant. And I thank you that even whenever we see things that may at first make us angry, Father, I pray that we would be able to see it, that you were using it for your glory and your good. And Father, I just pray this morning that you would have your hand upon specifically marriages that may be struggling. Father, I pray that you will just bring about repentance and bring about change and that your Holy Spirit will be working in their midst, Father. And Father, I also want to lift up for marriages that are actually doing well. I just pray that you would just protect them and have your hand upon them. And I pray that you would be able to put on their heart that they would be able to be used as a resource to others to be able to help others grow to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.
All right, you may be seated for just one moment. Chris, Elizabeth, and Lucy. I want to introduce y'all to Chris and Elizabeth Dinker and Lucy. And um, they are coming forward this morning um, for church membership. Um, Chris, they are already serving, and it has just been exciting just how you guys have just jumped on board and, and just getting involved, getting plugged in. Um, but um, as a church, what say you? Yeah, all right. I know, I'm sorry, I forgot what I was supposed to say. So <laughs> there's, like, there's like these things that you're supposed to say, and I was sitting there and I was like, I can't remember what I'm supposed to say at this point, so I'm sorry. But y'all are good. Y'all have made it into church membership. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't tell Pastor Mike I said that. <laughs> and, uh, so here's what I want to ask y'all to do. Um, Chris, Elizabeth, I'm going to ask y'all to stand down front. And here's where I want to ask all of you to come and to welcome them into, into membership. Um, Pastor Mike says some of them are going to um, give you money. And so I'm going to trust his word on that. So, so y'all make this, make this well. But um, So let's go ahead and all stand. We're going to close in prayer. And thank y'all for being here this week. Next week we're going to get back into, um, we're going to jump back into Galatians with Pastor Mike, Lord willing. But thank y'all for, for um, praying and walking.